Louisville were very, very competitive. And it was uh, almost a perfect pre-season game where you get an awful lot out of it on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately, no goals for either team. Three preseason matches down, less than a month to go until the 2023 season. And you just heard Gary Smith open the show by talking about Monday's friendly with Lou City. A scoreless draw where nonetheless he seemed pleased with the progress that his team continues to make. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling. And I am Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, less than a month out, and you were um, the only uh, active participant on a press conference today <laughs> on Monday. It's just with, a, it was just a one-on-one one conversation. <laughs> that's that's the Nashville SC experience sometimes, I suppose, for yeah. you. Uh, you're the guy who's always there, and, and there are other great people covering this team, but every time I'm in one of those calls, and to, to be fair, I was on the press conference call. I just didn't bail you out asking any questions. Yeah, I, see, see I, I had my video going. I noticed that they, when they uh, put the video up, they, they put the Zoom video. So it showed my face. And I was like, man, even when Tony asked a question at the very, very end, <laughs> it was just his name. I'm like, man, I, I see all these names. Somebody else bailed me out. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we were all just on mute, you know, doing what we do on, you know, mute during work calls, I guess, right? Scrolling Twitter and whatever else. Uh, it, was a, it was a good presser. And I think what we're going to do today is that Gary Smith is going to answer your mailbag questions, friends. And I say that, and I'm not going to title the episode that because it's very misleading. Because, of course, we did not interview him on this show. But again, as pretty much the exclusive question asker uh, of, of today's press conference, a lot of what you guys asked magically ended up being asked by Tim not long after that. <laughs> and Gary Smith had comments. And so we're going to play some of those clips like we just did to open the show. First, though, in the early shout, we're going to recap preseason action to date Nashville SC looking for its first win over a professional team. They beat the U.S. under-20 team. They lost to New York Red Bulls, uh, and they drew loose City. Uh, we'll recap what that means, and really more importantly, who's played, who hasn't, and uh, what Gary Smith has had to say about that. In the mailbag, we rank Nashville's wingers, assess the striker position, a chance perhaps for Nashville's first academy player. What does that path forward look like? And again, several of those informed not just by us, the two longest running people in this industry covering Nashville SC, but also by Gary Smith's words himself. Tim should be a fun show. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it um, much more than I was looking forward to trying to think of a, a next question all, all, all afternoon today when we were talking to Gary, I'm like, Oh gosh, I, now the pressure's on. I got to keep going one after the other, but <laughs> it was, it was pretty legendary. We'll, we'll persevere through adversity. It was a strong <laughs> performance and uh, yet another, uh, I mean, I don't know many other people who could have pulled that off. Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> They're good questions too. There was no, there was no question where I was like, Oh, that's fluff. He doesn't know what he's doing now. It was like, it was, it was good stuff. Um, Really relevant. What is jokes on you? I never know what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, you fake (laughs) us out well. (laughs) It's almost like you do words things for a living and fake us out well (laughs) with your with your pretty words and your wonderful metrics. Um, I'll tell you what what's what else is wonderful, and that is ML Rose. And I can't wait to see. Hopefully, many of you, maybe two or three of you, but hopefully more at ML Rose uh, as you're listening to this. Going to be tonight, Tuesday night, ML Rose West, so the Charlotte Avenue location, 5 p.m happy hour and there's a twist which is that Braden Gall will be there but there's also a positive twist yeah 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 there's two twists (laughs) Braden is bringing the 440 sports credit card and is going to buy some beers for some folks Uh, you just got to show up follow follow 440 sports on Instagram uh, give a shout out tag uh, tag Tim tag me um, I'll be there with Braden and uh, our good friend, Mike Meredith, I believe is bringing his family. So there, if there's strength in numbers, you got more than just uh, Braden and me there. You actually have, you know, cool people too. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Again, free drinks, good time talking soccer, no formal agenda, just going to hang out and enjoy a Melrose. Yeah, it was pretty good when uh, just off the cuff in last week's episode, Braden was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go and I'm going to buy everybody around just like completely. He, uh, he ad-libbed that and now he's, he's got to stick to it. So everybody um, take advantage of Braden. It's, it's something that um, I would, I would greatly encourage in this situation when he's going to buy you a beer. We do it on a weekly basis taking advantage of Braden. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm wondering now, Braden and Steve did an awesome job, of course, filling in uh, while I was in the great North and then DC. But I'm wondering if, if we have him on more, like, does he promise something else each time? And do the promises escalate? Like, is it whiskey and then season tickets? And, and then... then DP striker. <laughs> Ooh, now we're talking. All right. The fourth appearance for Braden. Akiloba is going to be resolved. And in comes Olivier <laughs> Giroud. Finally. The French forehead. 
coming to Music City, courtesy of Braden Gall. Uh, based on his sports preferences, though, I don't think he has much clout. He's a Mets fan. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, 5 p.m. Tuesday night, ML Rose West. That's the one on Charlotte, not the one near the stadium. Um, but we will talk about the walking distance and time from the stadium to the ML Rose uh, 8th Avenue location, I am sure. Uh, all right, early shout time. And Tim, we'll talk preseason to date. Again, we just gave you the scores a minute ago, but a 1-0 loss to Red Bulls down in Florida. 2-1 win over the USU 20s. Those goals were scored by Fafa Pico and CJ Sapong. A scoreless draw Monday with Louisville City up at Jodas Park. And now the club heads back down to Florida. Orlando next on the docket. And Tim, I'll ask you in a minute. First, let's ask Gary Smith. What has Nashville SC accomplished so far in preseason? Are you still in the kind of get guys back to fitness stage? Are you trying to you know, try out some new guys? How are you balancing the various different things that are your priorities with a preseason match? Well, there's, there's always going to be that backdrop of, of getting up to the, the 90 minute mark and, and players being not just fit enough to play 90 minutes, but sharp enough. Um, those changes of pace and, um, that ability to threaten beyond. And we've got some really good explosive dimensions to the group now. So, um, you know, getting to that point is, is always a little bit of a challenge. Um, today, as we looked at the plan of action and moving back down to Florida in a few days' time, there were some guys that we felt could push on a little bit longer. Um, there will certainly be more of those guys as we get into the Florida um, period again. So, Tim, the conversation there, again, after one of many questions that you've you asked him today, what was about, I guess, like the, the posture of this club and the goals of this club at each stage? Because I think we know the first few games of preseason aren't about results or even finding a starting right. 11. It's about conditioning. To that end, would you evaluate preseason as a success so far from what you've seen in her? Yeah, I think the one thing um, conditioning wise that was encouraging today is, is Shaq Moore finally getting into a competitive match. Gary mentioned that he had been training, just hadn't played in it, in any mm-hmm. of these friendlies. Both he and Walker Zimmerman um, trained really hard for a month and a half longer than the rest of their teammates. So it makes sense that it won't take them quite as long to come back in terms of 90 minute fitness. And it also, um, you know, it's, they deserve a little bit of a break too. Walker obviously was with the United States men's national team again this past week. So um, he's a guy who who um, is back in town, but is going to get a little, little bit of rest, obviously. So um, these are situations that, um, yes, you would like to see a first choice 11 go out and and beat a bunch of teams, you know, 3-1 or whatever, um, beat, beat a USL team, you know, 4-0. But that's not the point. The point is not to go out and win. Um, when you were talking about this in the in the intro to the podcast, I was thinking about the year that the Detroit Lions went 0-16. Do you know how they went in the preseason, Wes? I bet they went 4-0. They went four and zero, so you it just has no bearing on how your season goes. So um, we've already gotten an NFL reference in of all things. Surely Dan we'll Orlovsky, right? Later, yeah. He was the quarterback. Yeah. Dan Orlovsky uh, was. I think that was that year. That One was the year the that he just like walked out of the back of the that end was the zone on the that play. Was the year. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, beautiful football. Okay, so I'll, <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate though for you here, uh, and, and I agree with everything. So, like results are secondary, but but mm-hmm. they allow a goal to the USU twenties. They don't score against a City team that they. Of course, beaten U.S. Open Cup play. They've beaten them in preseason and not looked. I, I went two years ago to a close friendly against Lou City, um, and it was not it was not competitive. Is, is there any concern that these connections in the final third, not that they haven't developed yet this offseason, but that they mm-hmm. they don't still exist and haven't carried over from a fairly productive year in attack when most of that personnel is, is back and healthy? Yeah, that's something that um, Gary Smith would certainly disagree with the fan base about. He will say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to develop. It's going to come by the time the season arrives. I think the fan base is, is um, you know, they are right to say we'll believe it when we see it or or read the tweet about it, I guess, since the, the scrimmages are closed. But it is a situation where you you would love to be able to take Gary Smith's word for it. And I think you and I are a little bit more inclined than the fan base writ yes. large to, to trust what Gary Smith says most of the time. But, you know, you've played three games now and you've scored two goals, both against um, literal children <laughs> for, the, for the most part <laughs> against the USU twenties. So if those connections are going to arrive, you, you would like to see them arrive sooner rather than later. You don't want to get, uh, to the match against New York City FC and say, well, hopefully this is the game where it clicks. Now that it, now that the matches count, we need to have that final third connection finally clicking. 
you'd like to see it in one of these next three or four games uh, that are, or, or you'd like to hear about it on Twitter <laughs> on one of these three <laughs> or four um, games coming up so that you have a little bit of confidence going into the season that it's not, not only is it going to be a situation where Nashville can score, but preferably it's not just Hani Mukhtar is going to score and he's going to pretty much do it all himself or question mark. You know, you, you mm-hmm. want to see other guys get involved. You want to see this offense sound like it has, you know, more than more than one play to run, essentially, uh, to to continue talking about football constantly. <laughs> and be, yeah, because Tim and I combined for eighty seven point five percent of the questions in today's press conference. And, uh, <laughs> Did and you Tim count? Was, Did you actually Tim go back and count them? them? Uh, well, I know it's like I think it was like seven of eight. That's it, yeah, I, yeah. I was, I it was no it was a lot. You you killed it. Uh, it's like it's like Will Will Ferrell in old school when he just rips off that long speech and then he has no idea what he's talking about. That was me. He just today. falls over. That's how you <laughs> debate. That's how you debate. I still say that's how you debate after big big plays. Sometimes it's sporting events and nobody nobody gets it. Anyway, because we were in that press conference and Tim actually asked questions in it, that was another question about making those links in the final third. And Gary Smith talked about that as well. Some really good possession. Just looking for those moments now where you can break lines, be more creative and find that little bit of a change of pace in the final third that's going to make a difference. Um, and of course, the the icing on the cake is the finishing. Um, some moments today that we might well have taken a little bit more advantage of, but not to be. We'll keep working at that. OK, so in a minute, let's get to maybe the biggest revelation or the biggest thing we still need to learn from Nashville SC in preseason. But let's go to our gold nuggets now. And these, these are boring gold nuggets. It's not, you know, next level metrics, expected goals, you know, any of these, you know, goals added. It's just who's played and who has not played much. That's where we're going here. Uh, went back and scrolled through the Twitter feed and got these because uh, it was a very slow Monday afternoon at work. Um, there are <laughs> six players who have started all three matches. Joe Willis, no surprise. Alex Mwiel in for Shaq Moore, who we've already mentioned is working his way back, and we'll talk more about that. Jack Mayer, who Gary Smith praised again today and, and has, I think, been a bright spot in jumping up into the Romney role. Dan Lovitz, Anibal Godoy, Jacob Schaffelberg. A couple of starts apiece for Bauer, for Sean Davis, Fafa Pico, Hani Mukhtar, and Teal Bunbury. Most of these are not exactly surprising. Is there anything there that jumps out to you, though? Do, do you think we're starting to understand a starting 11 yet, or is this just who's healthy and, sh- and in shape and available? Uh, uh, hilariously enough, the thing that I that jumps out to me has nothing to do with the starting 11 because it's who's stepping in for Walker Zimmerman. And and part of it is is that um, Josh Bauer, who who didn't, see time last year um you know this is a guy who Nashville really liked before last season which is when they you know picked him up and they they signed him but didn't think they were going to be able to get a whole lot out of him I think he got one appearance if I recall correctly but he's been able to step in with with Walker Zimmerman unavailable which we'll talk about in a second as well but um that's something that I think is is pretty encouraging because he is not expected to have to be in that role which we we can also talk about in a second in terms of who has not played um although i don't see the name on there so we'll, we'll get to it in a second but anyway but um yeah i mean the guys that have played all three matches are are the guys that you would expect and even if alex Mwil is not going to play a lot at right back this year you know he's going to find his way onto the field so getting reps at a position where there isn't a ton of depth is really helpful so i think that's something that is really interesting to me again i don't know that it translates when you have Shaq Moore back and healthy but it is something that is that is you know they're finding ways to get wheel onto the field and that's important yeah i mean it's how we started the season last year at that right back spot early in the year pre Shaq Moore and pre some changes of shape uh, i'm interested in bauer over ahmed longmire at that at that second center back spot again this is probably next level stuff two guys who probably won't factor in a lot nick depew still working his way into the club it sounds like but does that tell us anything about longmire do you know anything about his fitness that might be impacting this or is it that bauer a little bit more of a veteran at this point is just a little more ready to step in in preseason action you know when you're raised in the hard streets of new hampshire you're just ready for mls play no but um no i i think it's it is just what you see in terms of of game readiness because longmire does have only one season in usl um and he didn't play a whole lot. He he dealt with a multi-game red card suspension and um you know worked his way onto the field. Um but you know that that is a situation where as a rookie you're really just learning how to be a pro and you're still a couple years away. Bauer um played in USL. He played um in the Atlanta United system. This is a guy who 
is is just more of an adult because, because he has had more you know adult soccer experiences. Longmire is going to get there. Um, you look at look at Jack Mayer's trajectory. He wouldn't have played as a, a rookie if not for some um, unforeseen circumstances in Nashville. So I, I just think that, um, especially at a position where guys de- develop and, and peak at a little bit later ages, it's it's not anything to worry about. Fair enough. Other guys who have not played, we've talked about Shaq Moore. Um, he is still um, getting shacklimated after the World Cup. Oh, okay. Okay, I saw I saw it in the rundown, and I was like, "What is this pun?" I can't. I thought it was like Shaq eliminated. I was like, "What does that mean?" Okay. I don't think no, he'll be I Shaq like eliminated. I think he'll start. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for Shacklimation. Yeah. <laughs> well, so is Spellcheck. I got the, like, the little <laughs> red squigglies didn't show up. I think they're so used to the puns now in our rundown documents. Google Docs is like, you know what? He yeah. probably knew what yeah. he's talking about. Larry Page. Larry Page looks at it and groans, <laughs> and then just lets it stay. That's exactly. Thanks, Larry or or P Clip or whatever the guy, the Cl- Clippy. That's the guy, right? Yeah. Like we're perfect well, that, back yeah. in the day clippy nice guy uh walker of course has, has has been limited but only because he's been in friendlies with the u.s men's national team uh elliot panico um again another question that you asked today of gary precaution due to a head injury sounds like he took a knock he's got a history there yeah. uh, which is why he wears the headgear during games and they just want to be extra careful which i think we can all understand and respect uh randall Leal, yeah is that a is that a, a black hole there started the first game didn't play against Lou city I mean, maybe just fit. Yeah, came came off after like twenty minutes against the U twenties, if I c- recall correctly. So, yeah, uh, it is it is a little worrisome. You never know um, until you know they have a little bit better idea with whatever scans are relevant to them. Um, my medical consult is not in the room with me. Otherwise, I'd ask her which <laughs> which one they need for a muscle injury. I think a CT scan. I don't remember. Uh, no, don't don't quote me on this uh, medical. Don't Twitter, worry, but... I'm not inclined. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Uh, a muscle, a soft tissue injury can be essentially nothing um, and they can be being very cautious, but it can also be something that keeps him out for, you know, three weeks that wouldn't keep him out of the first game, but it would mean he's not 90 minute fit. Most likely it would mean he's a little bit rusty. Your hope has to be that it is a little bit more of the, you know, he's basically fine, but we're being um, very cautious with him because of how important he is to this team. That is the one I think that's. That and um, you know maybe Nick DePew, depending on the the mm-hmm. statuses of, of Walker Zimmerman um, and uh, Jack Mayer, they have to be completely healthy because Nick DePew is the one guy that I think this this club is is comfortable playing as a backup mm-hmm. in a meaningful game, and he has been unable to go for the last couple. So I think Leal and DePew are the two that I would worry about a little bit. Um, DePew obviously less so because he is you know that first guy off the bench. Leal is a guy that we talked about two weeks ago being somebody that we think is going to have a huge bounce back year. So he can't do that if he's not on the field. And so hopefully he returns to it in short order. Yeah. And all the more reason to be super, super cautious with him too. Uh, that nagging injury, I think not only affected him and knocked him out for several weeks in the middle of, of Nashville, right when Nashville SC returned home, but, but also I think probably impacted him for much of the year uh, based on, on kind of the lack of explosiveness we saw at times. From him. Uh, a couple more questions before we move on to the mailbag. Uh, and again, these are tempered by the fact that we don't see these these friendlies besides whatever clips. The club if they had scored a with. goal, I was going to like hand draw a guy kicking a, a <laughs> goal and, and say, here's here's exclusive footage. But oh, like, man, I even do me that solid. Or anchor buddies <laughs> who did that back in the day for like when the Olympics were on and they didn't have the rights. Mm-hmm. They would do that and got pretty extravagant. I would almost rather edit video than. I mean, if I drew up, nobody would know what in the world was going on. But but because we can't see it, we're gonna we're gonna take some leaps here. Biggest revelation as I throw up my hands. Is there something you want to point out as a surprise or something to be excited about? No, I don't think there's anything that's like completely revelatory. Just because um, there hasn't been a lot of scoring, and that's the one thing that we like definitely know. If we know the name of a scorer, we know that's like the only stat we get. There are no advanced stats. There are no passing results. There's no. <laughs> Uh, you know, goalkeeping numbers, like even if they give up a goal where there are 40 saves and we just don't know about it. So because there's been such limited scoring, like did we not expect Fafa Pico and CJ Sapong to score? No, I think we both expected them to be guys who are going to be productive this year. So I don't think there's been a huge revelation other than, you know, who is, you know, the second guy on the depth chart. <laughs> Nick Depew can't go. That sort of thing is um, for us sickos is very is very intriguing, but I think for the the broader audience, it's 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 too deep to to really be revelatory in any sense. Really, Are, if you're new here, 
And our numbers are suggesting that there are some folks who are new here. Once we get to see games, this thing gets pretty good. Um, I think this podcast gets a lot better. <laughs> so just FYI, especially once we have stats available to us. Is there something then that we still need to learn besides what this team looks like on the field? Because we hadn't gotten to see him for a minute. I mean, is, is there anything the club is trying to learn other than perhaps what we've mentioned in building those connections in the final third? No, I think I think that's the big one. And, and you know, beyond the connections in the final third, it, it'll be who can score. Uh, CJ Sapong didn't do it, hasn't done it other than in, in one friendly uh, just last week since May, you know, he, he didn't score <laughs> for, for the back two thirds of the season. I think he can do it. Um, I've seen him do it in the past and he's done it very well over the years, but you know, as, as we call guys who are younger than us, um, getting up there in age. Um, but he is getting up there in age for a striker. Can he do, can he still do it? I think, I think he probably can, but we, we need to have some sort of proof of that, I would say. And, and similarly with Fafa Pico, um, he might even be older than CJ, if I recall correctly, but he's a speed merchant. And he, they're they're similar. They're, they're both over thirty. They're, they're both, both very 30. young they're like, and in shape. They're generally. within they're within spitting distance of me. They're they're both old. Sorry guys, um, but 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 a speed merchant is a guy who who you know he's going to lose the one thing that that is his his go to. Um, you lose speed with age more than you lose finishing with age, um, and that's something that Pico again, has has not shown signs in regular season matches of dropping off. He didn't show that last year. But I think we still need to see it to know for sure that it's going to happen in 2023. CJ Spong, 34 years old. Pico going to be Yeah, 32. Pico's only like 31. 32, be, he's yeah. 31, February 23rd is his birthday. So right before it, he'll, he'll, he'll hopefully celebrate his birthday win with a mm-hmm. uh, weekend with a goal in that opener against against NYCFC. But your point stands, of course. Uh the uh, the problem with me is I lose speed after I eat burgers. I'm not very fast <laughs> and, uh, to that end. You know, ML Rose, difficult for the speed, at least in the moment. Uh, but providing good protein, especially impossible protein for those of you who are not meat uh, meat persuaded. And John John Cade, good friend of the show. John Cade uh, tweets at us this afternoon. If you commissioned a hat show print for the show or for one of the watch parties and went in on it with ML Rose, you would have like a million more listeners. And I would definitely show up. Not a question. Just a, <laughs> just, a, just a comment. That's it. So I'm guessing he means show up at ML Rose and, and at a watch party with the hatch. I got it. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, he wants a gift. He wants a gift is what he's saying. He wants a gift. <laughs> he wants stuff. Dude, come on. I like, I bought you a beer at the US Open Cup. That's a gift, right? <laughs> uh, maybe not. Uh, he's given me far more gifts than I've given him gifts with a T. Uh, it's bad. Anyway. The point is, there's <laughs> there's demand there's demand around ML Rose that isn't just about the food. It's about the culture, right? And, and you talk about Nashville institutions and Hat Show, obviously is that. But it's fun to see in this kind of new era of Nashville some new institutions. ML Rose has been around now almost 20 years, going strong in South Nashville, also of course on uh, on our side of town, in the West Nashville area. And uh, boy, that, that that growth it's it's neat to see them mention the same sentence as Hat Show, even if there's somebody very biased and greedy, John. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's gaining respect of longtime Nashvilleians like him and new Nashvilleians alike. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've said this before, but, um, we are very happy that ML Rose sponsors the show, but we're happier, not just that we have, have a sponsor that we like for the show, but it's a, a sponsor who, who we believe in and who believes in not only us, but the, the, the soccer thing. And that's a big part of what is so exciting for us about ML Rose, and part of what is going to be exciting for fans who drop by ML Rose West Nashville at 5 p.m. tonight for hashtag Wes's little happy hour. That's it. Thingy. <laughs> Wasn't it Wes's little happy hour thingy? That was uh, thingy was a Braden edition. I just said oh. Wes's little happy hour. Yeah, because you start getting into little and thingies and that gets pretty insulting. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll keep it happy for sure. Uh, moving on to the mailbag now and to a gentleman who not only is an amazing soccer fan of top of the table teams only in the Premier League but also has actually had a burger with us at ML Rose. Logan Elliott says this is probably the most depth we've ever had on the wing as a club. If you had to predict the top four players to get the most minutes on the wing, who would they be and in what order? Shall I put you on the spot or shall I answer first? Uh, I can go. I can go. Schaffelberg, I think, is going to be number one. Okay. Uh, I will go Pico number two. Um, I th- I would pull Leal number three just because and we'll have a question about this in a second too. I think Leal is going to be a little bit more multi-positional this year than he has been in the past. Okay. 
And then I'll put Alex Muel number four, even though he's gonna he's gonna play a bunch of different positions. Uh, wing is going to be one that, and it is one that he has traditionally played here, and I think he will probably get the lion's share of his minutes there because once Shaq Moore is fully fit, he is going to play basically every available minute. Yeah, agree with that. So I'm interested in. Oh your my goodness, you have the same four players. I'm looking at it right here. You have the same four guys. I, do I literally didn't even look different. at your answer. <laughs> yeah, right. You were looking at mine the whole time. I, I really did. But different, different order though. So you didn't yeah, fully you, you disguise your cheating well. Uh, but I'm interested. So, so are you saying Leal plays less time as a whole than Shafelberger-Bico, or less time on the wing? Less time on the wing. I think okay. he's going to play. So he has played as a as a true central midfielder, and I think he's also going to play a little bit in the Hani role as as they look to get Hani a little bit of rest or to play Hani in different places mm-hmm. this year. I I see that. Um, I didn't actually embrace that nuance in my answer. So I put Leal first for that reason as a I think he'll be the the wing slash other player who plays the most minutes, which is probably an easier way to answer it. But I, I see your point, and I hope that's the case. I hope they move Leal around, they shift him into a, a role where you can get that other speed on each wing, and okay. and you know be more of a setup guy in the middle. And let, let me interrupt you real quick. He yep. plays like exclusively as an inside midfielder, like as a number eight with the Costa mm-hmm. Rica national team. So if he wants to use his club play to get back involved with Costa Rica, um, that just jumped into my mind as you were answering but continue sorry no he's done that he's definitely done that yeah. in nashville too and i know we've talked yeah. a bit about this on the show but i i've always enjoyed the um the discussion from gary uh about the nuances uh, and the differences between leal and mukhtar and for leal the word that he always tends to use is instinctive that that mm-hmm. you know Hani's great at playing his role within a structure and doing what he does within kind of a setup Leal is cool with roaming. He's cool with feeling the game. He's cool with going in, tracking back 60 yards and delivering mm-hmm. a tackle from behind if he has to. And, and I think that lends itself certainly to some flexibility into roaming the middle of the pitch. And, and I, again, your idea of, of, you know, him in, you know, inverting uh, from the outside and coming, coming in, I think is a really appealing option for that as well to combine, but still have the ability to hit the edge uh, as well. Uh, Luke Hawkinson. I know he's probably maybe for me, he's a close fifth in this. Is this a make or break year for Luke? I mean, he, he's had some memorable moments. Is he at a point where he's poised to try to take a step up? Or do you think he's buried enough that this is a, a rotation depth piece that maybe is a is, is verging toward career backup status? I think he has, um, similarly to Leal, he has the ability to play inside that that really like a Pico, especially, or a Schaffelberg, especially a um, wheel has a little bit more uh, ability to, to mix it up and play as kind of a, a Brendan Aronson esque defensive 10 type, but Hawkinson can play as, as an attacking midfielder. He can play a bunch of different roles, but I think your point that if, if it is not a situation where he is, is going to go out and grab minutes this year, do you really see a future where he is going to go out and grab minutes in this Nashville SC team? I think he's an MLS caliber player. I think he yeah. would be a good fit for maybe his hometown club, Minnesota United, um, playing playing alongside um, some really good players up there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think a guy who's who's very much like Hani Mukhtar, in fact, in, in Reynoso. But um, yeah. you know, Hawkinson can really benefit from that. But the style of player that Nashville has is kind of redundant with him and he has to prove that he is better than that, than a similar player. And that's something that he can't, he has every opportunity to do. And I don't, I wouldn't count out the fact that he could do it, but he has to because there, there there's redundancy and skill set to a certain extent. That's yeah. It's a little bit scary. I think for him, when you see a Schaffelberg coming in or a Pico brought in, that's, that's probably a bit daunting for you. And uh, he certainly has the ability. I don't think we are counting him out for sure. Trevor, three preseason games in, and Shaq Moore has yet to play. And he, he literally tweeted this as Shaq Moore was entering against Loose City. So. Yeah, he, I, I said something. I said something about it. <laughs> even even like two minutes closer to the Shaq Moore stuff, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. You know, the the concept of a guy who's who's a little bit more match fit from having played a month longer, <laughs> and all of a sudden Shaq Moore's coming in. I'm like, mm, is this vindication for me, or does it make me look stupid? I don't know. <laughs> one or it's one or, or the other. So. Uh, um, well, yeah, well, we know the truth, which is that you're stupid, <laughs> but, uh, but Trevor asked if it's a cause for concern. We've touched on that earlier, but again, uh, the, the tease was Gary Smith answers mailbag questions. So here was Gary's answer to Tim's question today about Shaq Moore. We've been a little bit more cautious with him and he's building to the minutes. 
um, purely because he came back a tad later uh, after the World Cup and because of the type of, of um, explosive um, elements to his game. Um, just a little bit more concern there. I thought he was terrific for 30 minutes. Gives the group such a different dimension. So it was lovely to see that 30 minutes. He actually built into that. We, we did some work Saturday. We did 220s in training. Very different to what we competitively would have got out of today. But slightly bit surely we're, we're getting him there. So he's, he's feeling a lot better. So there you have it. Not sure we have much to talk about here as long as Shaq Moore is ready for the start of the season. And I think he's proven mm -hmm. Tim to us by ramping up after some long time away and coming in from Tenerife, he can ramp up quickly enough to get involved. I don't think he's one of these that you worry about getting match fit. If again, if he stays healthy in the lead up. Yeah. And I thought the one thing that was interesting about Gary's answer, which is honestly part of uh, what surprised me, I was not expecting this part of it was that, you know, the, the guy with his type of explosive movements as a guy who you want to kind of ease back in in a different way than you might ease back in some of these other guys. Um, I thought I thought that was, um, you know, kind of a little surprising makes it sound like I think it was a negative thing to say. But like it was it was not what I was expecting Gary to say, but it, it makes sense. And um, for a guy like Shaq, who we have seen not only, like you mentioned, step in and immediately contribute for Nashville SC, but go out and play for the United States in a world cup. You know, there's, there's one other guy on this roster who can claim that. So, so I'm not concerned about Shaq's uh, fitness or ability to, to contribute to this team at, even if he's slightly under hundred percent fitness by the time the season comes around. Ben Breland is the dream of the DP striker misguided. Something that Braden Gall and Steve Cavendish mentioned about Leal last week, moving better as an attacking mid touched on a minute ago. Maybe think about it. What if we improved our wing and midfield play and just played Hani as the solo striker up top? I'll, I'll push back on the solo striker piece. I think Hani's best when he plays off of a, a fellow striker. Uh, it, when you have two center backs focusing on him, it's just not quite as much space to operate. He can get knocked off the ball, uh, but he's certainly gotten better at, at retaining. Um, and I can see that. To the, to the first part of the question, Tim, I, I think – the dream is not misguided. I think mm -hmm. there's there's opportunity here in the summer, and I think Nashville would be wise to consider that opportunity. But I think, as we've discussed, there's outsized focus on that when yeah. the wings are going to be, either way, probably the primary source of, of this attacking push. Yeah, and it's something that I talked about with Stephen and Braden last week, and I think you and I have talked about it pretty regularly this offseason, is if the wing position is upgraded as much as we believe it to be, do you need a DP striker? Probably not. And I don't think it's that you play Hani Mukhtar as a solo striker up top. I think it's that in CJ Sapong and in Teal Bunbury, you have guys who can do a job and make life easy on Hani Mukhtar. And you can have the the wingers stretching the field a little bit, opening up space in, in kind of that zone 14 and allow Hani to get onto the ball and dribble a guy. And you have CJ or Teal either occupying center backs or, or, you know, accepting service from the wings to, to head it home or um, just making sure that they're there in case of a rebound. If, if Hani shoots from long, if Randall all shoots from long, obviously adding a DP striker is an upgrade to the team. Is it a necessary upgrade at this stage? I don't think so. Obviously any upgrade you can get, you are very happy to get, but I do think that, Nashville is is very content and the way that they have structured the Ake Lobo loan makes it clear that they are very content to see if they need that um, and then make that move in the summer, most likely if they feel like, hey, a DP striker would really be, you know, kind of a game changer for this team. If, you know, if we had, a, as you mentioned before, Olivier Giroud to just head home a bunch of goals from there. Um, it's a situation that they are leaving themselves the opportunity to do that. And if honestly, I think if they see that they don't need an upgrade at striker if if cj Spong has found his goal scoring boots back or if or if they are just able to to ride hani mukhtar again the way that they did last year i don't think you necessarily see a dp striker could you see a, a different position dp maybe i think more likely they would just ride with two dps this year but it is a situation where nashville is leaving themselves some roster flexibility because they understand that it might be what they need and the most expensive piece you can acquire is of course a DP striker from abroad. And, and we know Moneyball Mike Jacobs, if he can get pr productivity per per dollar elsewhere, namely along the wing and with veterans you can depend on and that work well with Hani, 
I, I do think it makes sense to forego that now as much as it would be nice to see. Uh, so I, I, I'm with you that it's not necessarily a guarantee this year, but you better believe there are inroads being built right now by the club, relationships being built so that contingency plans are available. Brian Taylor asking, if you had to make a way too early guess, when do you think we may see a dim Sipic at Huntsville City FC? Obviously don't want to rush the kids' development. With a couple of glowing name drops from Gary, you think it'd be sooner rather than later. Let's play that name drop. Well, I would think the the next steps will be him seeing some appearances in that Huntsville group. And then it, a lot of it is down to the individual. If he's impactful and he's, he's showing immediate progress, then you would expect him, you know, maybe to get a number of appearances under his belt. But I think that stepping stone is is an important one for him, however long it lasts. Um, will he still play in the academy games? I, I've no doubt that there'll be opportunities to do that. But I think Adam's pathway now is through that Huntsville group. And of course, we'll be keeping a very close eye on him and hoping that you know, we can keep that trajectory going and at the right time we can we can bleed him into a game again and, and, and cut his teeth at the next level. And I think it really is about the right opportunities, giving the lad the right moment when he's confident and he's playing well and then taking him back out again and saying, OK, still some things that you need to improve and we've got the right environment to do that now. Adem Sipic, an academy player, 16 years old, and right now... Seems like he's the odds on favorite to, to be the first to find professional minutes, whether it's with Huntsville initially, probably, or or with Nashville. Based on Gary's answer, Tim, it sounds like that Huntsville action is going to come sooner rather than later and, and perhaps right away here uh, for the MLS Next Pro team. Yeah, and something to keep in mind is, is for guys to play um, as, as professionals, they can play. Um, on academy contracts and, and not get paid, unfortunately, for them, but they can play on academy contracts and not have to uh, forfeit any college eligibility. Obviously, most guys who are coming through an academy system are going to end up playing in college at least a little bit. Um, not every guy. Um, look at the Philadelphia Union or FC Dallas, for example. <laughs> Those guys are going straight to the pros, but Nashville's academy is not quite as developed over the years. The fact that you can play a guy at Huntsville City on an academy contract and not sacrifice any college eligibility. Um, you know, Brian says you, you don't want to rush his development. You don't really have to because you have the opportunity to go back and say, okay, playing against grown men was was maybe a bridge too far right now. You played one game, uh, didn't work out. And, you know, I don't think it would <laughs> it would happen for that kid. But right. um, I, I think when you look at at the opportunity that you have to play them. And, 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 you know, there's, there's very little opportunity cost. You can ruin a kid's confidence a little bit, but if it's just, you know, however many games and you, and you don't worry about it, you can take them right back and, and play them against academic kids. Guess what? They're going to get their confidence right back. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's, he's one that I think we will see play his first uh, quote unquote professional. I guess they would be semi pro minutes this year. Um, I think the other one um, would probably be Alejandro Carrillo, the kid who played in the MLS next uh, all-star game last year. I, I went and watched them play in, when they were in, uh, I believe that was actually in Minneapolis. It was. The, uh, MLS all-star game itself was in St. Saint, Saint Paul. Saint Paul. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so so um, I think those are two kids that the, the academy staff and the first team staff are highest on. I do think that they will not be the only kids who are currently in the academy who have a real shot to play at the very least with Huntsville this season and, and hopefully in the future, obviously the thing that we're all looking forward to is that first homegrown player mm -hmm. to come up and, and play for Nashville SC, whether that's, you know, Carrillo, um, you know, coming from Southeast Nashville, whether that's um, Sipic who's, who's coming down from Bowling Green, Kentucky. These are guys, these are not guys that Nashville recruited from around the country. And I think that is probably awesome. more exciting for fans. Yeah. It's huge. And it's a message to the club, I think, to continue to, develop inroads with mm -hmm. with the local community the club community the southeast nashville community yeah yeah um, i mean if you look at if you look at a kid like like Carrillo specifically you know he is a kid who comes from Antioch, which is a place that um has has maybe historically been, been ignored um by parts of by parts of nashville but also is a place where there is a, a soccer passion that is so great whether that's that's immigrants who come from um you know other countries that are a little bit happier to play soccer than than we are sometimes in the United States and, and certainly in the South. But 
Um, it it is an area that I think Nashville is going to be really excited to you know to see their practice facility be right down the street from yes. from Antioch, from Smyrna, from these areas that hopefully you are growing a passion for the game among um, people from across Nashville, from across you know D- Davidson, Williamson counties. But but guys who who you know grow up in the shadow of Jodas Park, grow up in the shadow of the of the practice facility, is going to be just the coolest thing when those guys start rolling through the academy and and hopefully you know wearing the the badge on on Saturday afternoons against real MLS clubs. Man, as rewarding as it is to wish Nashville SC to do well and follow this rise, it's a bit manufactured still when every player on mm-hmm. this club got their start elsewhere. Of course they did. By definition, they had to have at this point. So it will be extraordinarily uh, invigorating to uh, to see that happen. And I think the point Gary has made, too, is that, you know, we're not just putting people on the Huntsville roster to fill a spot like either. Mm-hmm. They are guys that the club has brought in that have potential to rise to the first team sooner rather than later, even just in a depth role. Or it's and most rewardingly, it's stocking it with those academy kids as they come up. So I think that's the point of Huntsville. And Sipic, by the way, just for context, for those who didn't get the probably the reason for this question, started against the U20 U.S. Men's National Team for Nashville SC senior squad. And that's no indication that he's going to be doing that anytime soon in a competitive match, most likely. But again, um, huge statement, I think, for, by Gary Smith and this club to have the faith in him to get in at all and, and get some of that action. Really cool to see. Wesley Bryant with Weston McKinney going to Leeds United States of America. Nice. Uh, does does Zim go this window or in June? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> again, I raised this uh, possibility before the World Cup that that if Walker was to go abroad, this was probably the window that he was going to earn that opportunity through the World Cup. Maybe raise his value to the point that Nashville SC would want to sell him, and then the wrong center back left. Um, so <laughs> I don't think Nashville makes the Romney move. Um, unless they intend to keep Walker in it, it would seem that, that this is Walker's home for a good while. Yeah. And, and Walker has had um, maybe not quite as enticing as he would like opportunities from Europe over the past couple of years, basically the entire time he's been in Nashville, there have been European agents kind of asking around and um, whether that's because um, he and his wife, Sally are, are starting a young family. And then, you know, they're, uh, four hours away from from Walker's home in Atlanta. Um, you know, these are reasons that he might be more comfortable staying here. And, and there's there's value for Nashville in selling guys um, to European uh, destinations. Of course, there's value for Nashville in finding guys who uh, might be noted are. Uh, two-time MLS Defender of the Year winners wearing the Nashville badge and want to stay in Nashville. Uh, I, th- I think um, there might be a, a situation where his value to NSC is greater than the the value that they could get for selling him. And part of that is because um, his desire to go, yes, exists. Everybody, everybody who grows up playing soccer in the United States wants to play in Europe. But um, I think at his age, he's, he's what, 29? I'm sitting here just guessing at people's ages age. all show today dangerous but, game uh, he's he's you know he's, he's 28 29 um he he would have loved to have a european career he's he's very happy with the career that he's had he's played in a world cup if the right opportunity comes to go to europe he'll he'll, he'll entertain that opportunity but i'm pretty sure at this stage he's he's very happy with what he has built in nashville and, and is very proud of being a foundational piece of the first um, so far three and, and you know in less than a month here four seasons of Nashville SC and he is 29 by the way so good job you actually finally got, got one right we well did done. it uh, Wyatt and Wesley Bryant both in on similar questions here how much emphasis will Gary put on the Open Cup and Leagues Cup is the lack of striker depth the biggest concern going into that pack schedule and Wesley similarly asking if Nashville should go all in on those tournaments or focus on rotating and uh, an MLS Cup I, I mean I I think that you know emphasis or prioritize are always misleading words what are you prioritizing is it just flat out winning or is it you know emphasizing keeping your players safe and developing your team and i think this year is a tremendous chance to at least treat the first couple matches in open cup as opportunities to develop players whether mm-hmm. it's depth guys who need that time uh whether it's academy guys yes there's there's more time between games this year with most of them coming weekly um, so you're you're not in a really congested congested fixture uh, uh, pickle this time, but I still think this is the year that you rotate and then hey, if you beat you know Chattanooga Red Wolves and you beat Atlanta United or Charlotte or whatever, and all of a sudden you're in that final eight, 
go all in. Go all in then because you're yeah. three games away from continental competition. But I think Nashville should be more more conservative with his personnel this year than last. And I don't think that's a matter of a lack of depth. I think there's there's decent depth on this team, really almost yeah. across. This is the deepest we it's the deepest we've seen in Nashville. I, yeah. yeah. No, I completely I I, yeah. I completely buy that thesis. I think you're exactly right. Um at the wing, yes. At striker, yes. Central defensive midfield is the one area where you'd say, eh, but still solid. People people be worrying about central midfield depth. So well, people I mean, be doing. Your best, no, it's, it's, it's legit. It's just you got to combine the age of sixty-five between your two fixtures there, yeah. or seventy, or something like that. Um, but but I think generally, yes, I agree with you. And but I think it's about developing those other guys. Like there's different value now that you have a Huntsville. Now that you have an academy that's starting to start, starting to start to produce prospects. I said that as I wanted to. Um, <laughs> I just think the priority is different this year. And then if you happen to go deep in either one of those tournaments, hey, send in Hani right away. Start him. Yeah, so there's a, a little bit of a, a nuance, and that League's Cup is is independent of the rest of the season. Everything yeah. else pauses during League's Cup. I think at least in the group stage, you go all in on League's Cup. Um, you would you absolutely prioritize I, your most important game this year. I would say is beating Toluca. You need to beat a Mexican yeah. team yeah. for the second year in a row, too. Even, <laughs> um, but you need to beat a Mexican team, and and that is a really big way to win over eyeballs that are watching soccer, but are not watching Nashville soccer club um, in this, in this city, in this state, in this country, that is how you get a ton of new fans. Uh, The fact that it puts you in a position where you're playing a ton of games in a month where you might otherwise be resting a little bit. Um, Maybe once you get to the knockout stages, you can kind of choose your own adventure in Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of how you want to prioritize it. And then it becomes a little bit more like the U S open cup where you might rotate a little bit more heavily. You might even rotate a little bit more heavily against the Colorado Rapids, not necessarily worrying if you advance out of the group. You just want to beat a Mexican club yeah. in that game. I'm not joking. That is so important. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, you 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 have the depth. You want to, you know, it, it, it's a kind of insulting way to put it. You want to put out the the worst team that you can while still winning in in the U.S. Open Cup games, um, and because you want to give your best players a chance to rest. I mean, I think you look at the League's Cup knockout stages the same way. You want to get a little bit of rest if you can. Yeah. And again, if you if you get up to the final eight, final four of that tournament too, get after it. Put in everybody. Go for it. Because then there's a chance at that continental competition and a trophy and and that hallmark, but that's a that's a long that's a long ride to get to that point, especially against Mexican teams in those in those knockout games. Valer love this question, uh, and it's based, I think, on on MLS clubs being asked to produce extra content for for Apple TV for the new partnership. Um, Valer says Apple gives you an unlimited budget to make additional content for MLS. What are you making? You can answer for NSC, MLS, or both. Valer, first of all. Got to say, love and support the work that you guys do on pharmaceutical soccer. Have forever. Tim, a former co-host of that and still often guest appear. Uh, every podcast deserves this, uh, deserves the support and love from uh, from this league and certainly from fans. So listen to pharmaceutical soccer. Uh, here's my show. U22, soccer's next stars. Follow three or four U22 initiative signings mostly in their second year. Once we know they're not going to just be a Pinero and ride the bench, uh, find two or three that have hit the year before or maybe four and ride, ride them, follow their seasons from tra- training camp through the season, travel home with them during international breaks and go on the roller coaster with them. And in the process, what you're doing is you're obviously looking at very hoop dreams style stories uh, hoop dreams reference. Didn't expect that to happen today, but, but, you know, identifiable, you know, potential rags to riches types of stories and your marketing players for sale to Europe in the process. You're giving them a platform that enables clubs to see what those guys are like off the pitch beyond just what their scouts are able to uncover. Uh, I think it could be a really compelling show for somebody like, uh, you know, John Duran, who's just been, just been sold abroad for big, big money. Um, you know, to, to create more of those. Look, if you really want to be that selling league and that talent development league, I think the league can follow that with some cool content, uh, drive to survive style, to use the cliche, what everybody's trying to copy these days. But you uh, too, too, soccer's next stars. That's my show, Tim. Yeah, mine is, uh, I have a couple ideas. My first one is is very similar to that, but it's follow uh, the top I don't know, U17 Academy prospect in a top academy. So yes, most likely Philadelphia Union or or in the recent past, I guess, FC Dallas, but one of these academies that 
um, you know, their best U17 prospect is probably going to make it. Follow them for two or three seasons. Follow along with the ride with a player like that. Obviously, you need a guy whose personality is not going to be, uh, you know, affected by the uh, the uh, observer effect. Is that what? Yeah, it- sure. Whatever you're Schro- Schrodinger's Schrodinger's prospect here, but um, <laughs> uh, that's that's one idea. The other one is is similar to the We Are LAFC, uh, but but do it weekly and and pump out these yes. episodes immediately. So yes. if we see LAFC beat Los Angeles Galaxy, which we'll we'll see them do twice this year, yeah. but if we see that happen on a Saturday. You want the episode up by you know the following Thursday. Get people excited to follow the ups and downs of the interior workings of a team. I think that that's something that that is is more in line with, for example, the drive to survive type thing, where I, or almost a hard knocks type thing with NFL is a little bit different than that. But like you mentioned, people want to follow compelling stories. They want to follow compelling personalities, and if um, you get a, a brief look at somebody and that's all you get of them it's not really building kind of a familiarity and, and kind of a, a fanhood in, in people who are potential winnable fans for the, the team, for the league. Like, I mean, I guess there's some like Wrexham versus MLS debate happening in the yeah, internet over the past couple of days. But my, my, my thought is, first of all, the, the Wrexham show is compelling because it has a movie star and a television star starring in the show. Yeah. The show itself, actually, I think, is doing a, a pretty poor job of storytelling any story other than the story of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. <laughs> they will do one episode about a, a character and we never see that character again. There's not good continuity that like there's an episode where there's a lot of soccer and then there's like no soccer at all in the following episode. You don't get in a rhythm of, of kind of building a fan base for this actual team. If Rob McElhenney and, and Ron Reynolds sold the team tomorrow, there would be zero additional Wrexham fans in the United States than yep. there were you know, a year and a half ago or whatever it was. So there is a situation that you can build temporary fans and and it's a cult of personality for, for Deadpool. And um, is he Mac? Yeah, he's Mac from, from Always, Always Sunny. Sunny you yeah. know? So it's, you need, you, you as a league want it to be deeper than that. And I think you need to have some continuity in stories. You want to follow a player like Dax McCarty, who has been in this league forever. You want to follow a player like Jack Mayer. Screw it. Just do a, an individual series about every <laughs> single player on Nashville SC and, and put yeah. it out every week. But yeah. the, the concept has to be that there's more to there's more to enjoy than just, oh, you know, a rich guy bought a team and, and let's follow the rich guy. And, and the team is kind of a, a tertiary character to this story. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I totally went on a tangent there because people it's have been great. talking about this, and that's how I feel about uh, the show itself. Which it's it's entertaining television, but it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not it's good. It's fine. No, I, I say good. I say good. Like yeah. it's an adver- It's an advertisement for for Ryan Reynolds. No, I completely <laughs> agree. The, the the cult of personality piece is great. I think the production value kind of brings it up a notch, at least. Yeah, but- the production the production value is outstanding. The storytelling is just lacking it's all about those two guys it is it's gratuitous um and it was always going to be they bought the club so they could do a documentary um the model i see is a sunderland till i die which is still my favorite piece of documentary work ever done sports or otherwise uh, because production value meets deep dive into the culture of a place hey anytime somebody talks about that show what do i bring up Oh, you don't remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. About no, it. it's the Justin, Justin Davis. Justin Davis, Justin Davis signs with the National Soccer tracker. Club shows on a, shows on a background television in the Sunderland office. Yes, and I only remember that because I brought this show up so many times, and you, every time you have seized on that. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that mm-hmm. and pausing it at the time. I think I sent a screenshot to to somebody like, "Hey, JD, what's up, man?" Mm-hmm. Um, noted noted left back in. Uh, oh crap! Left back, right back, left back. Yeah, left back. Left oh back. my goodness, left coast back. Guess. Opposite coast guy. Um, Absolutely. Um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, diving into the culture of a place, digging deep into what makes a club symbiotic with a community. And that's not a story you can as easily tell in the United States where the history is not as rich, but a supporter community, at least you could do. You could do that really well. Yeah. And uh, that reminds me of, of, I think part of what got me into the Wrexham tangent that I didn't, uh, that I didn't tie back together. I'm telling stories just as well as, as the Wrexham. They tell a story about like an individual fan and they don't follow that fan. I actually think an, an Apple TV and MLS television plus whatever their product is called um, uh, story of following fans and can, you know, having some continuity following, um, you know, a, a leader of a supporters group or a, an unaffiliated fan through the course of the season. And, 
you know, showing how that fans emotions are affected by the soccer game while they're in the stadium would be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Don Garber, give me a call if you need some. No, but seriously, show the template of what you want the yeah. viewers to become. This is who you can yeah. be in three years or even a year. And I think to do any of that, any of what we just said, the league's got to give up a bit of of control over the message. Yeah, and they've got to give up a bit of of finder's fee to us. Those <laughs> yes. are the two things that have to give up. <laughs> That's great. Yes, of course. Two guys on a podcast buried in Nashville. They they did it, so they deserve the credit. Uh, as as seen, but it's just the credits at the beginning, as suggested first on Club Country USA podcast. Uh, be fun. Uh, let's go outside in. Let's keep talking Apple TV because we've got a word of congratulations to give to our good friend and multi-time guest on the show, Jamie Watson. Jamie Watson going to be uh, among the broadcasters on MLS's national TV package that announced Monday. And uh, we are going to talk to him and we're going to bring a special episode, a special interview with Jamie he just emailed us back, by the way, to let us know he's available uh, pretty soon here. So we're going to have an interview with him um, here very soon to talk about what that means to him, what this could potentially look like. And Tim, as many questions as there are about this Apple TV product and the broadcast they're doing, we know it, they've made a very good decision in making Jamie Watson a part of their coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, last time we had Jamie Watson on, he asked us what our karaoke song is. You remember this this conversation that we have with Jamie? Because they... Uh, I don't remember who he was playing for, and they made him do karaoke. I have, I have a new, I have a new answer for for Mr. Watson. So stay tuned. You've been waiting on this MLS and Apple press release just so you can bring him on, just to ask him this one or give him this one answer. Yes, he's not, he's not going to remember that conversation. You know that, right? He's no, he's absolutely not. He's absolutely okay. not. No, as long as your expectations are, are set there, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilled for Jamie. Uh, it, it's been fun to see these these broadcast teams unfold and see how uh, the league is in Apple are choosing to tell its story, the, the story. I'm, I'm, uh, it's going to be fun to see that whip around coverage when it doesn't conflict with Nashville SC matches and see how that, how that all looks. Um, going to the U.S. men's national team to close out. Walker, he was man of the match in a scoreless draw against Columbia, clearly the highlight of his men's national team career. Yes. Um, anything that we learned about his performance or anything else in this very interim, literally when you're talking touchline, this interim period for the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, I think um, people are always talking about how Camp Cupcake, or, or as I called it, Camp Is It Cake, because <laughs> nobody really knows what it is this year because there's an interim coach. And all that comes with it. But I think you can learn things from it as long as you properly contextualize the evidence that appears in front of your face. You can't look at the Columbia game and say, this tells me as much about Walker Zimmerman as, say, the Wales or the Iran match might have told me about Walker Zimmerman. The, the context in which the performance takes place really has to, to come into account. And I think when you learn things about other players, guys who are getting their first caps, guys who haven't played a lot, um, whether that's, uh, you know, somebody who, uh, packs, packs in, uh, Pomacall, who has, who's been too injured to play for the U.S. men's, or, uh, sorry, Paxton Aronson, who came over, who came back over to play for the U.S. men's national team and looked bad, but wrong Paxton. Guys are going, <laughs> yeah, you got too it. many Paxton. Paxton, Braxton, Bill, Braden, Braden, Bill, you know, yeah. all that. Bill Paxton. Well, this, you know, yeah. guys, guys who don't have good performances, if it looks like they're going through the motions, guess what? They're playing a game on, on January 28th. <laughs> um, they're, they're not in season or they're, or they're um, not motivated to have their best game because it doesn't mean a whole lot. But then you look at guys who do have good games and that, that's not meaningless either. You have to just kind of contextualize what you learn about some of these guys. I thought Brandon Vasquez looked excellent in the midweek game. He looked mm-hmm. less good against Columbia, but still pretty good. I mean, that's something that you, you look at it and say, yes, looking good is important and it's, it's, it's necessary, but not sufficient in this sort of game. But what do we learn in terms of how it translates to a future game that has more stakes behind it? And I think that just because the game was a, was a meaningless friendly with a, a B or C team, aside from a couple guys, including Walker Zimmerman, doesn't mean you completely discard everything that you learned from it. Anthony Hudson taking over as interim while there is their multiple. Oh, nothing we learned. Anthony, Anthony Hudson is not going to be the full time coach. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not, not going there. No, not, not. They're not going. They're not leaking names like Mourinho and whatever else. And Zidane just to go. Yeah, Hudson, you're the guy. Be you lost to Nashville SC. Too, yeah. You lost to Nashville SC at Vanderbilt yeah. Stadium thanks to an own goal off a Republican <laughs> deflected pass and you're you're the guy i didn't That's even realize he was still the coach i thought that was after he got fired like 
believe he or whatever was there. that year. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But <laughs> it was uh, Nashville SC's first ever win over an MLS outfit. Uh, all that randomness because everything ties back to Republic Mensa to say, is is Berhalter's time done? Do you think this possibly ends with with him still at the helm? Knowing we won't we won't know that answer probably till the summer or spring or a long time from now. Yeah, I think I think for nothing related to the ongoing and annoying off field debate, I don't think he's back just because I think I think U.S. soccer got what they wanted out of him. Yeah, you can, you know, kind of derisively say change the way the world views American soccer. But I think he went a long way towards actually changing the way the world views American soccer. And it was his project to start, and I don't think it's going to be his project to complete. He is a piece of the story. He is not the story. And for that reason, you try and find a guy who can go out and give you the best chance to win the 2026 World Cup. You are not going to win the 2026 World Cup in all likelihood. Um, I'll be very happy to be proven wrong there. Somebody somebody, <laughs> mark the time code right now. But um, you want to find the guy who gives you the best chance to win the 2026 World Cup. And I don't think that that's Greg Berhalter. He he did a better job than he sometimes gets credit for, but yes. but he's probably not that guy to take the team to to an additional next level. I thought he had some great moments in the World Cup. I thought he made some very smart decisions. Obviously, is the center of all kinds of controversy, some of it merited, some of it ridiculous. Um obviously, you know, we, we you know we're not being flippant about what he admitted to, you know, happening back mm-hmm. in college, but but some of the other stuff around him, silly, ridiculous, ludicrous. Um I, I tend to agree. I, I wish him the best. I think he's, you know, he's well served to perhaps go on a European adventure or maybe get back into MLS. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it's Jesse Marsh and Leeds. So he's already coaching half the team over yeah, there. Yeah, I was gonna say if Zim <laughs> when we were asked about Zim, I was like, if he goes there, just like just <laughs> move US training camp and everything yeah. happens in in Leeds, England. Uh, and that's that's just where the United States is now. I mean, I think Alex Wheel fits their style pretty well. Press and bring him over there too. Uh, dude, yeah. if 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 Alex Muel was a ten percent better attacking player, he would be so good. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Like, obviously, obviously, he came up in that Red Bull system that that Jesse Marsh played a huge role in as well. But oof, if he if he had just, I mean, frankly, I think when you look at Brendan Aronson, you're seeing a version of Muel that has a lot more attacking skill, and yeah. it makes him so much more dangerous a player. It's a good point. Hey, Alex is a hard enough worker. He can, he can develop some of that, but it is uh, some of it's just natural and freakish when you look at a guy like Aronson. Uh, man, this has been fun. Final whistle, what content recommendations you got? I'm going to go first because, again, I've got to be in my bonnet on this one. I mentioned it earlier when we talked about Valer's question. Um, other MLS content in this market and at the local level support it. Um, much of that is going to be driven by people who are not paid full time to cover Major League Soccer neither of us are. And if we have any credibility with you, I'm sorry, but also um, if we have any credibility with you, then then so, then so should, so should others in this market. And I know many of you have a rotation, right? You're listening to pharmaceutical, you're listening to Speedway and the Nashville soccer show and, and all these, all this content paradise pod. Now I don't want to leave somebody out, but, but listen to supporter driven content. It is, I hear it from us here. You are legitimate you are enjoyable and you have a role to play in this ecosystem. And um, I, I, again, I think I would encourage the league to embrace that as well uh, as mm-hmm. we have, and as we continue to do. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I didn't come up with anything, so I'm going to echo what you just said there. And I think um, the fact that the fact that um, MLS seems to have trouble selling its stories to a broader audience um, makes it makes it difficult to square shutting out voices sometimes, yes. and that happens at all that happens at all levels of the league. Whether that's the league office, whether that's an individual team, whether that's an individual um, person, um, you know, whether that's a player who says, "I don't want to do that interview." Um, they have every right to do that. They are in the position that they're in, but um, I think serving the story of your club, serving the story of your league, and getting it to a broader audience. You know, people keep saying, "Oh, yeah." I'm, uh, Major League Soccer took the Apple deal because it was the best one they could get because it's not a popular league. If you have people who are trying to tell your stories, and like you mentioned, um, you know the pharmaceutical soccer guys are doing it for free. You and I are effectively on, on this space at least doing it for free. Um, you know our our costs are are covered by by our, our 
outstanding sponsor, ML Rose, and um, we are very grateful to have them. But it, it's we are not getting rich off of this, and and for us to do it is a passion project. And I think that that um, fortunately has has you know helped us find a great sponsor like ML Rose. But around the league, people are doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they love the Houston Dynamo. They're doing it because they love um, the San Jose Earthquakes. They're doing it because they love Miami Fusion FC. Um, peace be upon it. <laughs> but but it it is a situation where nobody nobody benefits by by having fewer storytellers and i think that that's something that that you know everybody in the ecosystem would be wise to to take into account control comes with a cost if you want to sanitize your message you can do that it's going to cost you the very value proposition that this league is trying to sell which is mm-hmm. authentic unpredictability we see it on the field every week and uh, hopefully we will continue to see others want to clamor to cover this league, keep the collective pressure on. And, and we can encourage, you know, the league, individual teams, whatever, to, to keep this thing open. Um, you can't grant every interview. I think we all understand that. But but generally repay passion with either access or at least acknowledgement. I think that's that's what I would that would so that's what I would advocate for. Um, thanks to ML Rose for doing that. They they pay us in burgers and a little cash for our passion. Uh, but they were a place we both ate long before we ever uh, dreamed of even having a podcast long before I knew. And this, and this evening, they will be a, this evening, they will be a place at their yes. West Nashville location on Charlotte Avenue that, that West Bowling will uh, get Braden Gall to buy you a beer. <laughs> and I'm going to get Braden Gall to buy me many beers and we'll do some <laughs> ask me anything. And, and uh, one of the things we'll ask Braden is why the New York Mets? Why? Really? <laughs> I don't understand. Sorry, it's bugging me. Uh, sorry, Braden. Not sorry. Uh, Moon Taxi also, by the way, uh, rewarding our passion by letting us play their music. You're starting to hear it now, probably if I timed my editing correctly. Um, hop on to Apple Podcast, rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. Really, take a minute. If you're still listening, you're one of the real ones. You're a sicko for this show uh so reach out to fellow sickos and let them know where they can find us follow us on twitter if you don't already retweet our stuff as well and to follow at 440 sports instagram and twitter and maybe facebook too i don't know uh but anyway we're going to talk to you guys really soon because we're going to talk to jamie watson really soon more on that to come bye